get more of the backstory on our Patreon page with exclusive interviews, outtakes, and the Lost Controversial Backstory Podcast. You can only get here. Support on the Backstory Bonus Level. Welcome to the Backstory Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Kolb, and uh, my guest today is a writer, a producer, a dancer, an amazing entertainer, Mr. Neo. What's yes, going on, yeah. Neo? What's going on, man? Good to see you again. Good to see you, man. So, so before we started this interview, um, I played for you some calls because I've known you from the beginning of time mm-hmm. when you started as an artist, and uh, you used to come on my show when I was in Philadelphia, and you know I played these artists, uh, these listeners calls and yeah. I just watched your face like it just it was like a whole nother time like can you talk to us a little bit about you know take a take a step back and look at your career to this point and and is it, it just how does it feel like to just know all the things that you've done in the last 13 years and that's just as an artist you know a solo artist right right I um you know what man it's it's crazy because I never really took the time to step back and, and look at what what's what I've accomplished what's what's happened over the over the 13 13 damn near 15 years that I've yeah. been doing this you know uh at, at the time you know once the ball started rolling it was, it was rolling it was just going 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 so it was just all right cool we just want a grammy on to the next all right cool we just sold many records on to the next on to the next on to the next it wasn't until like i think maybe like uh like the fourth fourth or fifth album that I really had a chance to just sit back and go Damn. Okay, we've we've really done some things. Yeah, like we, we made some stuff happen. Yeah. And then just playing those calls, man. Like one girl, what what jean, kind of jeans she said she was wearing on the she call? She was wearing Rockefeller jeans. Rockwear jeans. <laughs> Rockwear like, jeans. Yeah. Man, that's yeah. Man. <laughs> but it, it feels good to uh, to know that the love is genuine. The love is real. You know, like I was I was talking to somebody the other day about just. Uh, fanatical fans you know chasing you through the mall and all of that and it's like i don't i don't have that kind of fan you know what i mean my fans are, are very much you know hey neo what's up can i get a pic snap and then they go on about the right, business you right, know and, right. and i think i think it's a it's a maturity thing at this point it's a it's a respect thing you know nine times out of ten if you see me out i'm with my kids or with my wife and you know it's it's, it's respect they pay homage and then, and then they get out the way because they know that at the end of the day i'm still a human being you know with a wife and with kids and i'm, I'm a regular person still. right so I, I i dig that i dig that I, I will say this for it to be for it to have been this long and for anybody to still give a damn, that's a blessing just within itself. Because yeah. you, you already know we we live in a microwave age. It's, yes. you know they they do it for a minute and then they on to the next thing. So for me to still be still be here, put music together for people to still be curious as to what I'm doing, like that's it's absolute blessing. And I thank God every day, man. Real talk. So right now, how many albums have you sold? How many records have you sold? Millions. What what is the number? I have no idea. Really? I really and genuinely don't. I know it's I know it's uh, I know it's in the teens. 15 16 somewhere in there wow but i but i don't know i i kind of stopped paying attention to that part of it and and i'll I'll tell you why not not, you should never ever uh don't don't think that it's that it's that i'm ungrateful Mm -hmm. i'm definitely grateful for for every single album sold to every person that that takes their hard-earned money and spending on something of mine but at the end of the day i've had people run up on me and say stuff like bro i was gonna take my life and your song one of your songs came on the radio and i didn't do it like that kind of trumps all of that other stuff that trumps awards that trumps record sales that's that's touching lives that's touching souls with music bro like that's that's bigger that's bigger than that you know so so at that point i started paying attention to the way that my music was affecting people's lives as opposed to you know 
how many units we sell this month? Ah, oh, damn! Like that—that's not good because that's not the—that's not the victory. That's not the success. I mean, again, highly grateful, appreciate the blessing, one hundred percent. But I saved a life with a song. Like, wow, that's heavy. You, yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's that's deep. So let's dig a little bit into your history. So. You're from Camden, Arkansas. That's yeah, where you were man. born. Yes, sir. So uh, you're there, and then you end up, you and your family migrate to Vo- Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. So, so how um, did you get from Camden, Arkansas to <laughs> Las Vegas? And what do you remember that transition as a kid? I do. I, I remember the culture shock that it was. Because uh, Camden, uh, Camden, mind you, people from Arkansas don't know where Camden is. Right. Like, it's that small, right? It's okay. like right outside of Little Rock. It's literally a town. You know what I'm saying? We had one paved road and then a bunch of dirt roads crossing that thing. Right. Like that's what Camden was. Wow. Um, we got out of there relatively early. I think I was like nine, maybe ten. So were your left. parents both from Arkansas? Uh, my mom is from Arkansas. My dad's from Nevada. Okay. Yeah, and dad, you know, truck driver, met mom on run, impregnated mom with me. They got married. Uh, and you're biracial. Your dad is black and Chinese. He's, there's some Chinese in there somewhere, man. Yeah. I don't know. The, 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 I didn't know that. I was like, yeah, wow. Well, that's the, cool, though. That's. I mean, I'm biracial, so I always get excited about. Uh, <laughs> the, I, I love the mixing of the culture. It's yeah. just good to you know see um, you know because a lot in this world that we live in, people don't understand one another. So it's good to have that understanding and respect. Bro, so in the grand you, scheme of all, we all biracial. Ain't, yeah. ain't nobody in that's this true. world pure black, pure white, pure nothing. That ain't that ain't that don't so exist. No as more. a kid. Um, talk to us about the musical part of it. So, yeah, yeah. What, what were you li- listening to? What were you loving as a child? So, um, I gotta say that my mom's musical taste was really, really instrumental in creating my musical taste. Like, my mom was my hero, has been my whole life, still is to this day. Okay. So, anything she was into, I was into. So, when it was Arkansas, it was a lot of soul music, you know, a lot of Teddy Pendergrass and, and, you know, that that whole thing. But then when we got to Vegas, and my mom was in and out of these casinos, you know, just doing any job that she could. Right. She was bringing home all kinds of different music. Country music. Uh, Reba McIntyre was one of my favorites back then. Wow. Uh, uh, started getting into, like, the big band sound. You know, the, uh, that's my introduction to the Rat Pack happened in Las Vegas to the point where I wanted to be Sammy Davis Jr. I was dressing like Sammy Davis Jr. at school. Kids looking at me crazy. It was, right. It was, it was dope. But Well, it wasn't dope. But it, but <laughs> it was dope to me, but it wasn't Right, dope. right. But, um... My mom, yeah, my mom was definitely the one that that um, helped me form my musical taste. And then, you know, once I started trying to sing myself, and realized that I didn't sound like the people that she used to love to listen to, it, it made me hate my singing voice. Like I didn't want to sing. I, 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 my mom could tell that singing gave me joy, but the fact that I couldn't sing like what she loved hurt me. So, so that, so she introduced me to uh, Stevie Wonder. And Michael Jackson, you know, kind of a higher tone, higher timbre, right. you know, slightly nasally mm-hmm. type thing, mm-hmm. which is what I had. And she was like, listen to what, listen to the way that they use their instrument to help you get more comfortable with your own. Right. So sure enough, I was, I was a child of Stevie, man. I was, and anything he, anything he had done, I was on it. Anything Mike had done was doing, I was on it. And, and that kind of created the Neo that you know now. So, um, w- did you take music lessons? Did you take nah, classes? Nah, we had money. You just, you just. Naturally figured out. So when did you write your first song? Um, that I can remember, mm-hmm. probably around eleven or twelve. That I can remember. Right. Mom always tells this story about me being five years old and running in the room, making her turn off the TV to listen to this song that I came up with about mustard. I don't remember this. So right, not, right, 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 right. Go Parents that. remember everything. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> as you will but with yeah, your kids. Eleven or twelve for me. Right. When I, I, I recall, you know, taking my red notebook, writing the song, singing it back to myself. 
ah, satisfaction. I right. had a notebook under my bed and going about my business. Like initially, it wasn't about trying to get a deal or or, or trying to be famous for I the just love. Did it because I loved it. Right. Yeah. So um, you know, you were known as so when you became an artist, you your name initial name was Gogo. <laughs> so tell us a little yeah. bit about where did where did Gogo come from? Oh God. Um. So I was a. Uh, I was kind of a I was a weird little kid, man. I was I was definitely a little strange oh. And um my there was this uh, cartoon character, Gogo the Dodo Bird. And uh, my mom actually gave me the name cuz she just used to call me she used to call me Dodo Bird all the time. So the name kind of came from her and then I took it and tried to do something cool with it and it, it just was never cool. Mm-hmm. Gogo is just not a cool name. So right. Not a cool name. Um but yeah, that's that's where it originated from. And then Neo came Years later, like Neo was a a running joke with a producer friend of mine, uh, Dion Evans. May he rest. Um, he he said to me one day, he's like, "Man, you like you like the Neo of the music industry. Like you can do stuff with this music that other people can't do. The way that Neo could do things in the Matrix that other right, people right, do for right, the of course. So yeah, that's that's how that came together. Never really liked either name, right. <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things where somebody call you something and then it gets stuck and, and that's your name. So. So how did you form this group to cut? So that was in Vegas, this group that you were in? Uh, Envy. Yeah, Envy. Envy was the name of the group. And I, right. I can't even take credit for forming the group. I was I was brought into the group by another one of the members. Mm-hmm. Remember, when I was do, initially when I was doing music, it was just for me. Right. Like I didn't learn until maybe the 11th grade of high school that I could do this and, and girls would pay attention that didn't pay right. attention before right. and all of that. So, you know, once I, once I learned that, this cast asked me to get in a group. We was moving around Vegas doing talent shows, you know, winning this one, winning that one. Uh, we went to MTV's The Cut, right. which was at the time uh, hosted by Left Eye, yep. TLC. Yep. And, um, yeah, we got to perform on there. We didn't win. We, we lost to some girl who came out in, like, a nurse's outfit and then took it off halfway through the performance. And, you yeah, know, you wasn't going to beat that. Yeah, we wasn't going to beat that. But then you were on Showtime at the Apollo, though. Yeah. So what was that like? Yeah. You went to New York Ooh. and went to the Apollo Theater. We did. We did. How did, how did that go? Man... <laughs> it was it was a lesson in humility, a lesson a lesson in uh, just uh, one of the oldest one of the oldest and first rules in this whole thing is remain humble, remain humble. Don't don't toot your own horn. Like if it's if it's gonna happen, let somebody else do it. Don't walk right. around, don't don't walk around like 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 it don't stink. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So we got there and we saw the other people that was performing and we was like, ah oh, man, we got this. We about to smash this, right? Right. Um, but. There was a few things that worked against us. Okay, so we didn't know that all singers have to use the band. Like they told us over the phone that we could come with. Like we had a tape of the song we wanted to do, so you and they was track. like, "Yeah, bring the tape." Right. We got there and it was like, "No, can't use the tape. Got to use the band." Ray Chu and the crew. Cool. So I'm like, "All right, it's Ray Chu. They know what they're doing." So they learn the song in about ten minutes. Right. Get up on stage. Uh, it, it, things just went wrong, bro. Things yeah. just went terribly awry. Did you get pulled off the stage? We didn't. We, okay, we got thank right God. there. Thank God. I seen Sandman in the oh, corner double dutch. like, am I going? Am I going? Because right. it was it was like a battle between the people in the audience that didn't like us. It was a lot of them, and the 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 girls in the audience that thought we was cute and was like right. trying to give us a chance. Right. So I, more booze than I've ever heard in my entire career. Was that your first time to New York? Oh. Uh, Yes, yes, it was. So it must have been like that. Must have been like wow, yeah, the energy, eyes wide, like oh my god, we're here. I got to, I got to touch the 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 log and Kiki Shepard right there, and Steve Harvey was the host at the time, and it was it was a moment 
until we got up there and things just didn't go the way we planned them to go, man. It was it was bad. It so was you bad. leave the group and then you be just pretty much become a writer and a solo artist. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, more more a writer initially. Okay. Like I I didn't know how to do this by myself. I right. had been doing it with the group, you know, from high school on through. So uh, once the group dispersed, I was like, all right, I know it's supposed to be music, but maybe I'm not supposed to be the front man. Maybe right. I'm not supposed to be that. Maybe it's just writing. So you focused on writing, and yeah. then you wrote a song for Marcus Houston. Marcus Houston's That Girl uh, was one of my first one of my first writing credits. Mm-hmm. But funny, that came later. That came way later. So who were some of the people you wrote for in that time before you got to, and I'll get to your big breakout moment, yeah, but yeah. who was the person, who were the artists that you were writing for? No, initially it was it was a lot of smaller artists. Like it was it was uh, you know, groups on like Hollywood records, that right. was like Disney's record label. Right, right. It was a group called Youngstown. It was like these three white guys. Shout out to Youngstown, wherever they are on the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh but it was kind of kind of ghostwriting for them. I say ghostwriting because nobody knew that I wrote the songs. I didn't get any credit for the songs. I didn't get any money for the songs. I was just doing it because I love to do it, right? Um, but in the process of doing that, so what I would do is I, w- I would write and then sing these songs, sing, demo these songs, and then try to move them around. We got looked at by uh, Columbia Records. Mm-hmm. So that was my first record deal. That was my first solo artist record deal. And was that at the time when they had signed Alicia Keys too? Because they had signed her like that early before she ended up leaving and going somewhere else. I think it was right, right before okay. Alicia Keys. Right got before it. Alicia Keys. Got it. Yeah. So we over there, and this is another lesson learned. You know, I I, I didn't know that you could tell these people no. You know, I, f- I felt like, all right, I'm, I'm in the door. I don't want to do anything to mess this up. So whatever they told, whatever they asked me to do, I was doing right, it. Right, right, right. No, don't write those songs. Write these songs. No, right. Don't wear that. Wear this. Don't right. work with those producers. Work with these producers. So album is done. Artwork is done. Everything's finished. And I'm looking at it, and I don't recognize myself. I'm like, this ain't me. So I went back in and asked him if I could record some more songs that, you know, Leaned a little more towards who I was, and it was like, "Well, your budget is depleted." Right. And I'm like, okay. Ah, first lesson in the music business. First huh? lesson in the music business. Yeah. Hey, if an A and R tells you, "Hey, let's go to dinner," know that that dinner is on you. Right. Just know and understand, you paying for that dinner. You so paying for everything. All of it, bro. And yeah. the stuff you don't even know about that they charge you. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It game. goes deep. It goes very the game deep. Game hustle. So, so you're so, as you're, you're you're on this label. Yeah. You don't like the music that you recorded. I told them I didn't like it. I told them I didn't want to do it. They shelved me for two years. Wow. Just sitting on the shelf doing nothing. Right. And the funny thing, Marcus Houston's That Girl was going to be my first single okay. off of Columbia. Okay. But uh, my manager went over there, you know, managers, lawyers worked it out. They, they released me, but they kept all the music. Okay. So mind you, I didn't even know that they sold that song to Marcus Houston. I'm just in the car one day. I think I was headed to work. No, I had to go get a regular job. Oh, so they don't even have to ask you. No, 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 not at what all. What about publishing? Did you have publishing? Not at the time. Oh, the time. so they we, took, we had to fight a little later on to get it. They yeah. took the songs you created and then just gave it to Marcus Houston. Yeah. Then, the, think, then the song starts to do well, mm-hmm. and then people are like, but they give you the credit, though. You had the written, written credit on not it. Not initially, no. Oh, you didn't? Mm, no, it's just the oh, producer. Oh, man. How did that feel to hear his song get out there and you know you wrote it? It hurt a little bit. It hurt mainly because at the time I didn't I didn't dislike the song. Right. I disliked the project as a whole and I right. was like I I need some more songs that are that are closer to who I am. Right. But th- so uh, but because I said that they took everything away. Yeah. Right? So gave that to him. I'm listening to, mind you, they kept my background vocals on the song. So I'm listening wow. to this record I'm like, "Okay, that's definitely that's me, but that ain't me. What the hell?" So anyway, long story short, I, I was and it wasn't no no drama towards Marcus. Like he was just yeah, yeah, song. he's a good dude. Yeah, 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 good dude. So that happens. 
uh, I call a lawyer. You know, I finally get what's what's mine. But then from there, I'm 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 still at square one. Like I still don't have a record deal. I still right. don't have any money. Now, where were you living at the time? Uh, I was in I was in L.A. Okay, so you ended up moving point. to L.A. In L.A., living in a in a, in a one bedroom apartment with with three other cats that refused to pick their shoes up at the living room. <laughs> it just never ever. Would. So you write this song called "Let Me Love You." Yeah, tell man. us about that song. So let me love you. There was a there was a point in time I started I started dealing with these other cats and they had uh, had connections with Dr. Dre. Right, right. So they took me over to Dre and uh, I think at the time it was kind of a kind of a lightweight competition because Dre had this other cat that he was gonna sign this other R and B cat. So it was him versus me. So every track that Dre gave me had a song on it already. Right. And he was always like, "You think you can beat this? You right. think you can beat this? Right. All right, cool. So I'm writing, 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 writing. Uh, the songs was dope, but old boy was a little more thug than me. Who was the artist? Was it Danny uh, Boy? Was nah. It, um, was it a death row thing, or was it, he's already in aftermath? No, it was, it was, no, it was it was aftermath. It was okay, aftermath thing right. at this point. And I, I think can't uh, remember who it is. I think his name was Governor at okay, the time. Or something. Right. I, I'm I'm not totally sure. Right. But he was dope. Right. But he was but he was he was a little more hood than what than what I Got was it. coming with. So so Dre chose him, but Scott Storch was there. Okay. And Scott Scott Storch was like, I don't know what Dre talking about. You dope. If you right. ever in Miami. Hit me up. Right. So I'm like, all right, we just happened to be in Miami that following week. Right. He just happened to be working for Mario that week. Right. The rest is history. And Mario was coming off of his debut project and yeah, he was yeah. sort of like this teeny bopper, braid my yeah. hair. Like he didn't he he mm-hmm. was just like, you know, like nobody took him seriously, like, oh my God, you're this great singer. Right. And you deliver this gem that blows the socks off. Top yeah. forty, urban, urban everybody loved this song. Mm-hmm. What did that feel like in that moment? Man, so I'm gonna number one record. The first time I heard the record, I was right. back in LA after we did it, and it comes on the radio, and I'm like, all right, cool. At, at this point, I had heard a song of mine on the radio before, so I was excited, but I wasn't like crazy great. So played it. DJ stops it in the middle, like, yo, right. This we got to run that back. You ran it right, back. Right. Like the DJ played the joint like six times in a row, wow. back to back to back, and I'm wow. like, okay, all right, I think we got something with this, right? And then it starts taking off. And mind you, um, at this point, I'm still I'm still just a writer, you know. I'm still moving around, trying to trying to do my thing. Uh, I, I didn't have a name at the time. I was the dude that wrote the Mario song. That was what everybody was calling me. So was it under your government name for credits for it? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. S. Smith. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that song is kind of what helped me get a record deal over at Def Jam. <laughs> like we um, at that point, I'm like, okay, now I know I'm supposed to be a writer. That's just it. I'm forget the artist thing. I'm gonna just be a writer. Did you at that point get a publishing deal? Did somebody come to you and say we wanted to do publishing, or nope. did you? So you still didn't have a publishing. Nope. So you got all the publishing on that song. Yep. So well, what me, was, me and the other writer, it was. Uh, I wrote it with uh, one of Scott Storch's writers. It. So we, right. we split it. Yeah. So what was that first check like from that song? Um, was that your first big check? That was my first big check. I was of I that's the first time I ever seen that much money in one place at one time. What did you do? Uh, I went and bought my mom something. I don't remember what it was. It was some little like she she used to, I don't remember exactly what it was. She used to love these little you know little Fabergé eggs. Yeah, yeah. So I went and bought her like six of them at one time. You are hilarious. You and bought your mom like, Fabergé eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because she loved them. I'm like, right, you know right, what? Right. Here, my, these are yours. Right. Oh, my God. Where did these come from? Like, right. No not a house, not a car. No. Nah, Fabergé nah. eggs. Fabergé eggs. The house and the car came later. Right, right, But right, initially, right. Fabergé eggs. Mom loves these. Here you go. But, yeah. Um, so it opened your eyes that moment. To the to the writing thing. I'm yeah. like, this is this is clearly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm getting success here. The artist thing didn't work, so here's where I'm supposed to be. Right. So 
moving around New York, shopping songs. Uh, my homeboy Sauce. You remember the group Something for the People? Yes, of course. So Sauce, Sauce is one of one of uh, yeah. cats from that group. Uh, they were on Warner Brothers. Yeah, he's currently my my vocal producer. Got ranger, it. Like you know. Yep. So we moving around New York, just me and him trying to shop songs. He says, yo, let's stop in here right quick because my homegirl from high school works here. Okay. Right? Just happened to be the Def Jam offices. Okay. We didn't go in there looking for nothing. We went in there so that he could say hi to Tina, her. Tina, right? Tina Davis. Tina yeah. Davis, yeah. Walk in her office. They do the whole reunited thing. He starts playing her music. She's asking who the music is. This is you? Yep. You wrote these? Yep. This you singing? Yep. Right, she right. gets on the phone with L.A. Reid at yep. that same moment. Right. All of a sudden... I'm in L.A. Reid's office, wow. him and his tastemakers, yes. right? Yep. And I'm performing these records. Yep. And everybody's giving me the stone face, so I'm like, okay, this is a bust, whatever. Right, I, right. I didn't come here for this anyway, so I wasn't. And it was so spur of the moment. You weren't even it, prepared. Well, we did not. And it's, I always listen to people talk, tell these stories about how, oh, I did this for a deal, I did that for a deal. And this literally just fell in my lap. Right. Like, we went in there, we went in there, again, just to say hi to her. Right. Walked out with a record deal. Wow. So in that period, though, you were writing songs, too, like as you were doing your artist thing. And Mm -hmm. then you get with a girl named Rihanna. Yeah, man. And you deliver. Wow. Like you deliver some major songs for Mm -hmm. her. And it was really her big breakthrough moment because she was, you know, she'd had a little success up Mm -hmm. front. But the songs that you wrote for her, I mean, I mean, Unfaithful was one of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Unfaithful. uh, I did a lot of the Good Girl Gone Bad album. Yeah. Uh, we did Hate That I Love You together. We did uh, Take a Bow together. And that was sort of an introduction for you, at least to the masses, because mm-hmm. you were in the video, you were on the song, it was like, hey, this, I'm Neo, I'm this new guy. Yeah, yeah. But you were also getting writing credit for it. So Definitely what so. did that feel like? Because Rihanna then blew, and these songs that you wrote were big, iconic songs. Mm-hmm. And then you hadn't even come out as an artist yet. Did you ever think in that moment, like, maybe I should just write? Like, I don't even need to be bothered with this artist thing. Um... I did, but at the same time, I I love to sing. I love to perform, and that never that was. I knew that that was never going to go away. Right. So I so I figured if I could get the opportunity to do both, write songs and sing, right. Why the hell not? Right. So that's what I decided to do, and, and by the grace of God, it worked out, man. It you did take out. a bow too, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, these yeah, are timeless songs. So then. You get with, uh, well, Jay-Z was the president of the label at the time. Yes. And then he's like, hey, man, why don't you go, you know, hang out with my girlfriend, Beyonce. <laughs> and then you. Well, I don't know if they was girlfriend, boyfriend right then. I, I, I don't I don't know what the, when that relationship started. Well, they got married started, in 2006. Started. So the, the B-Day album. They got married in 06? Or, or, yeah, it was 2006 they got married. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was completely oblivious. To yeah. All it's either oh six oh seven, but whatever. They were. They had been dating at that time. Um, but but it was the world's thing, best kept secret. Though I didn't write. So I, I know. So you're talking about irreplaceable. Right. I didn't write irreplaceable for Beyonce. Right. I wrote irreplaceable for me. Like, really. That was that was uh, me and Stargate sitting around messing around. He had this guitar lick that sounded like a country song. Right. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna write a country song. Right. So I wrote irreplaceable. And I remember it's a story about one of my aunts and and uh, uh, one of the funniest breakups that ever happened in that house. Okay. Back in Arkansas? Back in, no, this is in Vegas. Vegas, okay. Back in Vegas. Got it. And um, I did it initially with the plans to sing it myself, but I'm listening back to it like, "Mm, this song gonna get me beat up by a lot of women. Right. I should probably, yeah, I should probably not sing this song. Yeah. So I decided to make it a girl song, shopped it around to a few other female artists, they all turned it down. Really? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Finally got to, uh, to Beyonce, Beyonce understood what it was, and... 
rest is history. Yeah, and and Irreplaceable was bigger than anything. It would let me love you was big, but and the Rihanna stuff was big, but Irreplaceable was just a worldwide mm-hmm. song. So all of this stuff was a great setup for you. Mm-hmm. By the way. Um, I think one of the most beautiful songs that you ever wrote, ever, out of anything that you ever done, was Flaws and All for Beyonce. Yeah, man. That song is just an emotional, like, roller coaster when you, and it's just so authentic. That's real. And, that's real. Shout and out to raw. Shay Taylor. Shay Taylor uh, produced that. I remember the day we did that. I remember, uh, here's a fun fact about that song. I wrote that song for Britney Spears. Wow. That song was supposed to be Britney Spears' song. Uh, we had set up all of these sessions with me and Brittany, and she never showed up to any session. Wow. So it was like, all right, so we in there, and we just we just work, working, making music. Tata, which is Jay-Z's right-hand yeah. man, mm-hmm. he comes in, here's what we're doing. He's like, hey, let me get that. All right, what, well, I mean, it's supposed to be for, but I got, 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 got. Right, let right. me get that. Right. All right, next thing I know, it's on Beyonce. I had no idea. Wow. I'm like, okay, cool. Matter, oh, matter of fact, it's a few songs that were supposed to be, Britney Spears is the one up on uh, actually take a bow was supposed to be Britney Spears wow yeah so yeah. in this moment like before you come out as your own solo artist mm-hmm. you have all this success as a writer you yeah. got all this energy right and you're putting all these records out and then we come to you finally becoming an artist and doing it yourself and, mm-hmm. and I remember the first time I heard you um, we paid more attention to it because you had a Philadelphia rapper on the song yeah, Stay yeah shout and out to Petey P- Crack P- man yeah, Petey Petey was a yeah, Philly yeah. guy so we like we played it in Philly because that was our guy and we were thinking he was the next in the rock to ascend and right. Stay was just an awesome introduction for you it was just a really cool song yeah, it man. was just it just I painted the picture and set the tone for your album it's fun and, and it's then, energy and yeah. then you dropped this new this debut album mm-hmm. and then uh, what was that next single um, So Sick came right after right, Stay right So Sick and then that yeah. was a monster record and that was that was all she wrote yeah and mind you I this 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 is when I learned the genius of L.A. Reid because L.A. Reid called it like, like he knew the future he was like, yeah. so here's what's going to happen. We're going to put out this one first. Yep. It's going to be introductory, okay? It's going to do well. It's not going to blow you out of the water, but it's going to do just well enough to get everybody going, all right, who's Who is that guy? guy? Yeah. And then we hit him with So Sick, and that's going to take it there. And I'm right. like, I'm sitting in the chair like, I, bro, yep. if you say so. And, and then sure enough, it happened love. exactly that way. It yeah. happened exactly that way. Yeah. Sexy Love too mm-hmm. was like you know I mean it was just a monster debut project yeah, and then you come with another big project like then you just went on a roll for like three albums multi platinum back man. to back to back what was that like that, like because you had written for artists that had that success but mm-hmm. now you're having that success where was your head in that moment in the clouds bro like again like like I said when we when we first started once the ball started rolling there was no. Let's sit back and enjoy this. It was just let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's right, go. Right. You know, uh, I learned on the road that my debut album had reached three million copies. Wow. I, I learned that in the process of moving to moving on to another show. In the process of you know, I won my Grammys in in in, in transit. You know what I mean? Everything right. was all right. That happened next. All right, that happened next. All right, that happened next. And like, I didn't know that I, I didn't know that I could sit, that I could go. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's slow down. And like, look at this. Like, this is this is what I've been dreaming about. This is what I've always wanted. At that point, it was just go, 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 go. Just keep going. And then you um, get with Pitbull and you make yeah. anthems. Mm-hmm. Anthems that like, there's one thing to make a song, like a good R&B song. But when you make a good pop anthem, it never dies. Like for the rest of your life, bro, you're going to be somewhere with your kid and the song's going to come on. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it feel like to make one of those big ass records? Again, in the moment didn't know 
that it was gonna do that. Like, right. uh, so and Pitbull wasn't even that kind of artist yet. Like you, nah, you helped nah. catapult him to that kind of artist. Yeah, he was he was moving he was moving in that direction, and uh, uh, so I met him. I think at a at a at a at a party or an award show or something. He was like, "Man, we got to work." I'm like, "Bro, call me. Let me know." Right. So you know, we exchanged info. He sent me the track. And uh, on the track, all that was all that was on the track was the, the girl part. No, 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 right, no, right, no, no, right, right. So I just wrote around that, sent it back to him. He put his thing on it. Wow. Just took the hell out. And mind you, I didn't. I, I liked it when I was done with it, but I didn't know it was gonna do that. Right. Like I had no right. idea. That song to this day, to this day, like I rec- I rec- I. I perform that record and people lose their damn mind. So one story I want to want you to share because I always remember it because we did a lot of interviews. Um, talk to us about Michael Jackson calling you and uh. singing your song to you. <laughs> you told me that story, yeah, and I, I don't. I just can't even imagine based on how with the story you just told about your mom, mm-hmm. right, and how she raised you and she turned you on to Michael and Stevie Wonder. Yes, indeed. You get a phone call from Michael Jackson, and he is singing to you. What was the song he sang to you? Bruh, well, okay, well, let, let's let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. So the initial phone call, he called my cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. And and the call went a little something like, "Hey, how you doing? Hey, hello, how how you doing? Who's this? It's Mike. Mike who? <laughs> Michael Jackson." All right, click, right. and I'm right. up. Right. I, I'm, clearly, I'm like, somebody right. playing on my damn right, phone, right, right. whatever. Right. So right after that, I get a text from my assistant like, yo, you're not going to believe this, but uh, Michael Jackson is about to call you. And Oh, my God. I you, just hung up on Michael Jackson. You hung up Jackson. on Michael Jackson. I just hung up on my So he called back. I lied. I'm like, hey, man, sorry. I was going under a bridge. It's right. connection. What's going on? Right. So he starts talking to me about music, telling me that he likes what I do. Right. But the whole time, I'm like, I, I'm... I'm I don't know how I didn't crash the car because oh, I was, you were driving. I was driving, and I'm like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a dream right now. Like right. Michael Jackson is telling me that he likes my music and wants to work with me. Somebody hit me with something so I can wake up. This is crazy, right? Right. So we set up the meeting. He was like, well, "I'll be in New York on this day at this time, whatever, whatever." Right. We met at Leo Cohen's house. Wow. He didn't want to. He didn't want to go anywhere public. Got like, it. All right, cool. Uh-huh. So we get to Leo Cohen's house. I'm sitting in the room. I'm waiting on him walking. He walks in, black suit. He had the, uh, like a, uh, I think he had hurt his thumb or something. So he had like a cast on his arm. Mm-hmm. Big aviator uh, mirror sunglasses, like the ones that the bike cops wear. Yeah. Motorcycle cops wear. And he walks in and I extend my hand and he says to me, but he doesn't even grab my hand. He says, You know what my favorite song of yours is? Please don't worry about me. I'm fine. Bro, I almost lost it. Wow. I almost lost it right wow. in that moment. I had to maintain because I'm like, I'm a G. Let me, let me chill. But in my mind and in my heart, I was a, a six year old girl. Right? It wow, was ridiculous. That's so, a great. It's always to me. It was always a great story, and I, I just couldn't imagine that man. moment. Well, Neil, man. thank you for your time, man. It's always good to see you, Appreciate and and love, uh, man, this is just um, it's an awesome career, and uh, you're about to drop a brand new album, and uh, yeah, 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 I'm doing a Christmas album this year. Uh, people, you know, for the last four years, people have been on my back, like, why don't you do a Christmas album? Why don't you? So I finally went and did one, but I wanted to do something a little different. It's called another another kind of Christmas, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's slightly different. It's it's something that I wanted to do the kind of Christmas music that you could rock with all year long if you felt like it. You know what I mean? So. Right. Went out to Jamaica for about two weeks, which is just comedy within itself. I went right. to Jamaica to record a Christmas album. That's yeah. that's that's funny. Yeah. But anyway, 
album is done. Be looking for it relatively soon. I don't know. I, I, when I when I put it out, this I love I love social media. When I put it out, I want y'all to hit me and let me know what y'all feel about it. Like what y'all like if I if I hit the mark. If, if this is the kind of Christmas album that you would listen to in July, I need wow. to know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Neo. It's All the right. Story Podcast. So, what was Neo like early on in his career? Support the Backstory Podcast and check out our Patreon page, where exclusive video and audio of Neo interacting with fans early in his career. And while you're there, check out the Lost Backstory Podcast. So controversial, the only place you can get it is on our Patreon page at the Backstory Bonus level. Thanks for listening to the Backstory Podcast. Created, written, and produced by yours truly, Kobe Cole. Edited by DJ One Plus Two. Coming up on the next episode of the Backstory Podcast, one of the greatest storytellers in the history of hip hop, Slick Rick. So all that coke dealing, all that, you know what I'm saying? Start sliding out of that, you know what I'm saying? And all that, I'm the greatest thief in the universe. Don't even rap about it. Just learn to go another route, you know what I'm saying? And plus, you get more girls that have around anyway. I mean, how many girls you got? Yo, I'm gonna steal your mother's purse. I'm gonna pee in your elevator. Wow. Just give me your number.